You are Locked On Rockets, your daily podcast on the Houston Rockets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everyone, to Locked On Rockets, your home for daily podcast coverage of the Houston Rockets. I'm your host, Ben DuBose. As we chat on this Sunday afternoon, we're now just a little over a day and a half removed from the news that sent shockwaves through the NBA of Kyrie Irving demanding a trade from the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers, of course, not only the team of LeBron James, they've made three consecutive NBA finals, winning one of them. Kyrie Irving, 25 years old, under contract for at least two more seasons, moving forward at a below market rate. Now, the Rockets are not one of the teams interested in him because besides assets, obviously Kyrie is a point guard. The Rockets already have two of those in Chris Paul and James Harden. That's not really a fit here. However, when you deal with a star of that magnitude being on the market, there are a lot of ripple effects. One of the initial ones people speculate about was about a potential trade involving Carmelo Anthony and the Knicks because the Knicks are a team that Kyrie Irving allegedly has at least some interest in. So I thought I'd do this quick episode Sunday explaining the ripple effects of the Kyrie Irving news for the Rockets and how it does, or more accurately in my opinion, does not impact a potential deal between the Rockets and the Knicks for Carmelo Anthony. Now, that's where I'm going to lead off because, yeah, there are a few other effects such as LeBron James in 2018. I discussed that in our most recent podcast at the end of last week that this news certainly could impact, but that's speculative. That's a year away. I want to start with the here and now. And what's obvious to me, and I tried to wait a couple of days to let the hysteria die down, is that this really does not impact, in my opinion, in any meaningful way, the negotiations between the Rockets and the Knicks for Carmelo Anthony. And I do think that the Knicks are conceivably interested in trading Carmelo Anthony and other assets for Kyrie Irving. That's something that was reported by Ian Begley of ESPN. But it's one of those things... You could also safely say the Knicks would be interested in trading Carmelo Anthony in assets for Steph Curry or Kevin Durant or any young star out there. But the Knicks just having interest, and even Kyrie having interest in the Knicks, doesn't mean anything. The stumbling blocks to a deal are simply that it has to make sense for Cleveland and it has to make sense for Carmelo because he has a no-trade clause. And I don't really see it making sense for either party, and unless we hear from a reputable news outlet, and sorry folks, Jordan Schultz is not a reputable news outlet. I've posted his nonsense uh, over the years a lot of times. Aside from that, there's really no credence to the idea that the Cavaliers and Knicks have any traction. In fact, the beat writer for uh, the Cleveland Plain Dealer newspaper said that there's no indication that the Cavs had been in negotiations with the Knicks, and actually pointed to two sources in the Cavs front office saying that they wouldn't trade for Carmelo Anthony at all. And like I said, I don't think it makes sense from Cleveland's standpoint. I also don't think it makes sense from Carmelo's standpoint. But I'm going to start with it from Cleveland, why I don't think this makes any sense for them. And quite simply, it's because Kyrie Irving, at 25 years old, signed for at least two more years on a below market rate, below $20 million. He is the biggest name to hit the NBA trade market in some time, or the biggest name to hit the trade market that is not on an expiring contract, because if if it's a player like Paul George, that's going to artificially depress the market because teams are afraid that he might leave after this coming season. Now, yes, Kyrie Irving did give a quote-unquote list to the Cavaliers of four teams, allegedly the Spurs, Timberwolves, Heat, and Knicks, that he would prefer to play with, but that that list basically means nothing with him being under contract for at least two more years. The NBA knows things can change 
rapidly. The Cavaliers have no reason to be loyal to him, a guy who signed a contract with them and now apparently wants out. So the fact that the Knicks are on his list, that doesn't mean anything. The fact that the Knicks are motivated, well, a lot of teams are motivated for Kyrie Irving. Anybody would be. This is a guy who's 25 years old and is a year removed from basically hitting the winning shot in Game 7 of the NBA Finals. He's a big-time player. But the deal has to make sense for Cleveland. And as I've said all along, you can't get blown away by the name Carmelo Anthony. At this point in his career, the name is ahead of where Carmelo is as a player. He's 33 years old. His athleticism is not what it used to be. His efficiency has tumbled significantly the last two years. Now, despite all of those things, I am a proponent of adding Carmelo Anthony to the Rockets because essentially in a one-for-one trade for Ryan Anderson, I think he provides you at least a similar catch-and-shoot dynamic from the perimeter while giving you more upside in terms of shot creation, creativity, those types of things, playmaking. I think one-for-one, he's an upgrade to your rotation. And I'm also not going to ignore the fact that, yes, he has a close relationship with Chris Paul, and he also has a good relationship with LeBron James, who could be a free agent next summer, and those relationships do matter. So because of that, if you're the Rockets and the only real rotation piece you're giving up is Ryan Anderson, you'd be crazy not to be interested. However, you also can't look at the name. I understand that Carmelo is probably one of the top 10 brands in the game, but he's nowhere near a top 10 player, and we need to be honest with ourselves about that. His game is definitely on the decline a little bit. Now, I don't think he's completely over the hill. He can still be effective. But this is a guy who's 33 years old, has a player option next summer, meaning he can leave. Why in the world would that be the centerpiece of an offer for Kyrie Irving, a 25-year-old star that's under contract for at least two more seasons? That is not a good deal. The only way you can make any sense of this, and it, this is a real stretch in my opinion, you hear some folks saying, well, he and LeBron are friends, and Cleveland, even though it's not the right deal, they're going to do it just to keep LeBron happy, because otherwise if he could leave. Folks, if that were the case, Cleveland would have dealt Kevin Love for Carmelo weeks ago, months ago, maybe even years ago. It has been extremely well reported that over and over again, the Knicks have tried to engage Cleveland on a Kevin Love for Carmelo Anthony swap, and the Cavaliers have not shown interest on any of those occasions because, quite simply, Kevin Love is a better basketball player. He's also younger and on a better contract that's signed for multiple years. And in this case, Kyrie Irving is a better basketball player than Kevin Love, also on a contract for multiple years. So to do that and then essentially have the centerpiece going back to you as a 33-year-old Carmelo Anthony on an expiring contract, Cleveland should and almost certainly will get better proposals than that from around the league. Because again, Kyrie has no real leverage here because he's under contract for two years and the entire league knows how rapidly situations can change. The Cavaliers are going to get real offers, and Carmelo, he's not there. Um, and and it, as far as the other assets the Knicks are willing to trade, allegedly it's been Carmelo and, and future draft picks. Well, folks, if you trade Kyrie Irving and to the Knicks and they keep Porzingis, then a team in the terrible Eastern Conference with Kyrie and Porzingis, that's probably a playoff team. That's probably at least a 500 playoff team in the Eastern Conference, which means those future picks are going to be devalued. You're looking at a couple of you know, picks probably in the 15 to 18 range. Does that really sound like the centerpiece of a trade that you're going to execute for Kyrie Irving, a 25-year-old superstar? That's a little ridiculous. It just doesn't make sense. Even if we deal with the teams that are on Kyrie's list, which as I said, I don't really believe. I think the entire NBA should have some interest. But the Heat, for example, 
could offer a package based around uh, Goran Dragic and Justice Winslow, and that, to me, is substantially better. Dragic is a better basketball player right now than Carmelo is. It's also an easier fit. If the Cavaliers trade for Carmelo, you'd also have to make a ton of other moves, because then you'd have Carmelo, LeBron, Kevin Love, Tristan Thompson. You'd have all bigs, no guards. It would be extremely disproportionate, as opposed to Dragic, who's a perfect positional fit as a guard. You also have Justice Winslow, a known quantity and a quality two-way prospect, as opposed to gambling on draft picks that are in the years ahead, likely to be somewhere in the 15 to 18 range. If you offer Dragic, Winslow, and a pick, that's a substantially better package than a Carmelo-led deal from New York. The only way it makes sense if for the Knicks to get in the game for Kyrie Irving would be if they make Porzingis available. And by all accounts, they have not been willing to do that. But even if they do, even if we assume that the Knicks are so desperate for Kyrie that they will eventually do anything, even including Porzingis, I'm not that convinced personally that Carmelo is an asset for Cleveland. Cleveland has turned down Carmelo trades over and over again. As I've said, it depends on the terms. If you can get the guy for free and he's a seamless fit then maybe you do, and essentially that's what the Rockets would be doing, giving up only one rotation player, the one that uh, Carmelo would be directly replacing. If you can get him for low, sure, you should do it. But I don't think Carmelo has the value around the league that a lot of people just looking at his name expect him to do. Even if the Knicks were ultimately to go all in, I don't think the Cavaliers would necessarily um, want Carmelo. I think they would. the assets to the Cavaliers would be future picks or more precisely, a guy like Porzingis. And if they do that, then they might even prefer Courtney Lee, a backcourt-type player, over Carmelo Anthony, because you can use Courtney Lee's salary and a little bit of filler and still get to the same place financially that Carmelo's $26 million gets to. So I just don't see Carmelo as a major asset to the Cavaliers in these talks, and that's even if he were willing to go there, which I don't think he would be. I'll explain why in just a few minutes. But Right now, I just don't see it as a fit for Cleveland. I think they're going to get much better offers from around the league, even much better offers from teams also on his list. We mentioned Miami, the Dragic, Winslow package. Minnesota could conceivably make Andrew Wiggins available, and that, as a centerpiece of a deal, would make more sense. Again, a two-way player, versatile, that would make more sense, although it would be kind of funny after the Cavs traded Wiggins for Kevin Love three years ago, but that deal would make more sense than something centered around Carmelo and future picks. Really, I don't even know if the Cavaliers are going to be looking that much for future picks, period. I think um, I think generally the Cavaliers are going to be looking for majority instant impact or maybe young players with upside who can play this year. That's why you hear uh, Phoenix and some of their younger players and Eric Bledsoe mentioned a lot. And there is a, a link between Eric Bledsoe and LeBron from their clutch sports agency. I really think Cleveland, they're not going to assume LeBron's gone. They know he's everything, and they're going to try and do what they can to keep him. And that's not keeping Carmelo because, or or not trading for Carmelo because he's LeBron's friend. For those who think that LeBron is just going to force the Cavs to make an irrational decision, I will point you guys to this. It's pretty clear that LeBron James and Kyrie Irving do not have that tight of a relationship. I'm not going to say they're enemies, but they're certainly not BFFs. Well, you know who... You know two guys that are BFFs? That's LeBron James and Dwayne Wade. And even coming after four consecutive finals appearances, we are literally three years removed from when LeBron told Dwayne Wade no and left for Kyrie Irving and then eventually Kevin Love, two guys that he didn't even really know that well. 
The point is, LeBron James, yes, he's got his friends, but for LeBron, he wants to win basketball games. That's what matters. Yes, he would team up with his friends if it's the ideal situation, and that's why I think Houston in 2018, there's some validity to that because the team would be that good. But LeBron is not willing to take a worse basketball situation just to play with his friends. He is a very sharp guy. And that's why there's been another report the last two days from ESPN that LeBron is not going to insert himself in this uh, Kyrie Irving mess with the Cleveland front office. He's going to let the Cleveland front office do what they have to do, and he's just going to be ready to go for the season and play. The point is, unless Cleveland believes that Carmelo Anthony is the best basketball move for them, and I don't think it is, then no, I don't think that's going to be overridden by um, LeBron just forcing it, saying, hey, I want to hang out with this guy because he's my friend, and even if you don't think this is the right move, do it, or otherwise there's no chance that I'm going to stay. No, that's not what LeBron has said by all accounts this summer, and it doesn't even mesh with his history. Because again, I think it's pretty clear LeBron's best friend in the entire NBA is Dwayne Wade, and we're three years removed from when, on a long plane flight across the country, LeBron told Wade no and left for a Cleveland team headlined by Kyrie Irving, who he didn't even have that much of a relationship with. For LeBron, it is about the basketball. And the bottom line is, if you were trading a 25-year-old player, then you should get better returns for a 25-year-old star than a package headlined by a 33-year-old Carmelo Anthony. To put it in perspective, the last thing I'll say about it for Cleveland is that Kyrie Irving is a better player than Kevin Love. And for months, maybe years now, the Knicks have been tried to engage on a Carmelo Anthony for Kevin Love type deal and got no traction. So now, all of a sudden, because Kyrie Irving asked out and listed New York as a potential team he'd be interested in, you guys think that the, that the Cavaliers are just going to panic, and all of a sudden, the guy who they wouldn't even give up Kevin Love for, and then give up a 25-year-old Kyrie Irving for Carmelo Anthony and a couple of picks in the, what, the mid-teens and maybe a young prospect point guard that the Knicks drafted this year? No, that's incredibly speculative. I think that the most likely route, the Cavaliers are going to try and make a trade to give themselves the best chance to win in 2016 from a basketball standpoint, combination of win now and future assets. And I highly doubt that the deals we've heard mentioned from the Knicks are anywhere close to the top options that they get. About the, the only argument you could make is that maybe if the Knicks include Porzingis, but again, if if they go that route, and it's not a seamless fit for Cleveland there either because you'd still have the same situation with Carmelo, all forwards, all bigs, no guards. But I wouldn't even necessarily be convinced that you'd have to use Carmelo to fill space. You might could have a different package around Courtney Lee or something bigger in which uh, Carmelo wasn't the guy going out. But I just don't see it as a fit for um, for Cleveland. Now, you can't write it, write it off. I'm not going to sit here and say it's impossible because... Teams do stupid things all the time. The Cavaliers traded, or not the Cavaliers, the Pacers traded Paul George for Victor Oladipo and Sabonis from Oklahoma City. These types of things do happen, so I'm not going to say it's impossible, but I'm just going to say it's very unlikely that this makes sense for them. And I know you can argue that, well, what if LeBron panics at the last minute and says, give me Carmelo or I'm out? Well, there's nothing in his history that indicates he's willing to do that. Now, could the Cavaliers just make a stupid decision? Yes, in theory, Anything can happen. However, I just don't see the point in worrying about getting struck by lightning. If something stupid happens, then it happens. But for now, what seems like the best course of action would be would be simply to assume that the Cavaliers are going to act rationally, and the rational decision here would be for them to pursue a package that does not involve 
Carmelo Anthony as the focal point. And if you read the beat writer for the Cleveland Plain Dealer, that's exactly what he's saying is their plan. So no, I don't think that Kyrie, uh, that Carmelo is an option from a Cleveland standpoint for Kyrie. The Knicks can want it all they want, but it takes two to tango. I'm sure the Knicks want a lot of guys too, but it doesn't mean that's going to happen. The trade has to work for both teams. And of course, in this case, it doesn't just have to work for the Cavaliers and Knicks, it also has to work for Carmelo because he has a no-trade clause. And here's the thing about this. I know Carmelo has not issued a public statement. He hasn't really issued any statements this summer. He's been very uh, off the radar. I think he prefers to keep it that way about his intentions. There have been a few leaks, but what we've generally heard from Carmelo is one consistent logic, is that he does not want this to be a messy divorce. He just wants to get this over with. What limited things we've heard from Carmelo were only because basically the Knicks misled him. By all accounts, the Knicks told him he was going to be traded to Houston, and I think odds are still good. He ultimately will be, but the Knicks told him that and then backed off. So that's about the only times, and even then we didn't hear from Carmelo directly quoted. It's through sources. I don't think I don't think that Carmelo wants to issue a public proclamation that any team is on or off his trade list. I think he wants to handle this behind closed doors as quietly as possible and just move on. But folks, as I've said for a long time, the signs are there. Last weekend, we heard that, according to Adrian Wojnarowski, the god of basketball journalism, that um, Carmelo was prioritizing a trade to Houston ahead of a move to Cleveland. Didn't say that explicitly that Cleveland had been removed from his list, but again, he doesn't have to, and I don't think that it suits Carmelo to say that. I don't think he wants that out there in the public, and certainly the Knicks don't want that out there, because if the Knicks get it out there publicly that Carmelo is 100% Houston and nowhere else, then that hurts their bargaining position immensely. That's why the Knicks are more than happy to put out rumors about Cleveland, Portland, anybody else, any slight bit of leverage they have, because otherwise, if it's Houston or Boston, they're in a really tough spot, so I'm sure the Knicks are more than willing to contribute to rumors that he might have an open mind to going somewhere other than Houston in a potential trade. But, again, because Carmelo's not going to spell this out, you have to look for the clues. And just as I told you guys, before Woj said it, there were a lot of people that's, that were afraid of a potential buyout, saying that, well, even though even though all reports are he's focused on Houston, what if he signs with Cleveland and buyout? Well, if you were following the rumors and just thought it through, there's no way that makes sense for Carmelo to go down the go down the aisle that far with Houston, go through that much talk, that much negotiations behind the scenes, even looking at houses in Houston, as I've reported, and then if that were not his preferred destination for him to choose somewhere else if he got to make the decision himself. That is not how a no-trade clause works. If you have a no-trade clause in the entire league, you're effectively a free agent if you are, are, are to get moved. So it, it never made sense, given that, for Houston not to be a top priority. And I guess some folks wanted it to be explicitly spelled out. But again, in these negotiations, sometimes that doesn't happen. You just have to look for clues. And in this, I think it's pretty clear that Carmelo's preference is Houston. I said that for a while, and then that was verified by Adrian Wojnarowski. And would he outright nix a trade to Cleveland? I really don't know if that's exp- if that's explicitly been stated, but I think most parties are working under that assumption because it's common sense for a guy with a no-trade clause that he can go where he wants to go. And at this point, that destination is not Cleveland. And it's just 
it should be pretty simple when you think about it. Carmelo was prioritizing Houston over Cleveland when Cleveland hypothetically would have had LeBron James, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Love. So if he was already preferring Houston before that, then why would he suddenly be open to a worse Cleveland team that does not have Kyrie Irving? Because, yeah, if his analysis already led him to prefer Houston relative to a full-strength Cleveland, well, this is a significantly weakened Cleveland with their clear, you know, the Robin to LeBron James's Batman no longer being there. So it just doesn't make any sense for him. I know he hasn't explicitly said it, but sometimes that's not the way it works out. For a little bit of a no-trade comparison, because not that many players have no trades, so it's tough to, you know, do a true apples-to-apples comparison. But for those of you that follow the Astros and follow baseball as well, think back to two years ago, going into the 2015 trade deadline, when Cole Hamels, he was a stud pitcher for the Phillies, and he had a no-trade list that Houston was on, and both the Astros and the Rangers were heavily pursuing him. The Rangers, there was no no-trade issue. With Houston, there was. There was never a report that Cole Hamels would 100% block a trade to Houston. It never worked that way. There was never a statement from him or even a leak that, that well, I'm not open to going to Houston. Because nobody wants that. Nobody wants the negative PR ahead of saying, well, I hate this team, and that being, you know, the popular narrative that I rejected so-and-so. No, that stuff all gets happened, that stuff all transpires behind closed doors. And so even though there wasn't a formal uh, release that, well, that that Cole Hamels is not willing to go to Houston, at the same time, it was understood by the principals involved in the talks, and ultimately, that's why Houston backed off and Texas got the deal done, even though Houston had better prospects. And I think that's part of what's going on here, is that even if Carmelo hasn't spelled it out, it's pretty clear when you have a player with a full no-trade clause and is that far down the road in negotiations with Houston to the point where he's planning on a move because that's what the Knicks have told him, the idea that he's going to suddenly accept a second choice in mid-July is just a little bit silly because there's still two months to go to training camp. Now, again, I'm not going to say 100% that Carmelo would hold firm all the way until training camp opens in mid-September. There might come a point where the situation changes. Ultimately, I don't expect it to happen. I think the Knicks have more to lose, and ultimately a deal gets done between the Knicks and the Rockets. But maybe if this thing drags into September and the Knicks are truly set on holding their ground, then sure, there's a small chance that maybe Carmelo blinks first and opens up his list. But this is a guy who's been planning a move to Houston for weeks, if not months. He was told less than two weeks ago that this deal was going to happen, sending him to Houston. So the idea that in mid-July that he's going to, with two months still to go, back off and accept a deal somewhere else just to get this over with. That's not how big business works. No, nothing in big business gets done that easily. Carmelo, he fought for his right to have this no-trade clause. It's a big deal to him. That's why in the past he's taken it very seriously and hasn't been willing to waive it for almost anywhere. So the idea that after you know a temporary pause, that's how the Knicks describe it in negotiations, that he's going to go back on all of his thoughts for months now, all of his conversations with Chris, James, all the preparations he's been making for Houston, the idea that he's going to go back on that just because of a week or two of uncertainty, all for a Cleveland team that's actually getting worse without Kyrie Irving, folks, I think that is a real, real stretch. Now, I think a lot of Knicks fans, and by extension some in the New York media, are willing to push that narrative because everybody wants What's best for them and what's best for the Knicks, of course, is to open up the trade list as wide as possible so that they can get the best possible return. But thinking about it strictly from Carmelo's perspective, it does not really make sense for him to do that. 
The other part of this that I want to stress, from a timing perspective, this is new to us as fans because the leak just came on Friday afternoon. We don't know exactly where it came from, but there's speculation that players involved, some have alleged LeBron specifically, and Kyrie's camp may be upset about that, yada, yada. But the reality is this is not new. According to some reports, Kyrie actually kind of asked for a trade before the draft. But according to the the ESPN story this morning, great read by Brian Windhorst, Ramona Shelburne, the day was actually July 7th when Kyrie made it specifically clear to Cavs' ownership that he wanted out. That's two-plus weeks ago that the players, the teams involved have understood this. LeBron knew it shortly thereafter. So while it's new to us, it's not new for, for the players involved. And ever since then, by the way, that's even before the Tim Hardaway Jr. signing when things really got hot between um, Carmelo Anthony and the Rockets and a lot of the rumors that we've heard. So the idea that the people involved in this deal all of a sudden were just given this shockwave on Friday, I don't buy that at all. Now, it's a shockwave to NBA fans, and that's why we're discussing it. It's relevant. But to the people around the league, the Cavaliers have been working on this behind closed doors for some time. LeBron has known for some time. If it was as simple as saying, well, Carmelo's our best one-year shot and LeBron wants it, the Cavaliers and Knicks could have done that deal in about two seconds. It would have been done two weeks ago very quickly. And at the very least, we would have heard about the Knicks and Cavaliers pursuing uh, a talk with Carmelo to get him to open up his list to include Cleveland or something along those lines. Because, of course, they would have to convince him on that prospect. We have not heard anything. In my opinion, this is generally a fan-driven story in which fans see, hey, this guy, Kyrie Irving, he's a star, he's on the market, and the Knicks are interested, and then the Knicks also have another big name that's on the market, and so it's putting two and two together, saying, hey, why can't this work? And it's a new, bright, and shiny object to the fans, so yeah, there's a lot of discussion on Twitter about it. But from a team standpoint, from a player standpoint, behind closed doors in the NBA, this has been known for two-plus weeks. If Kyrie for Carmelo was the route that, um, that Cleveland wanted to go, or if it was the route that Carmelo wanted to go, if, if he saw that as an opportunity for him to get to Cleveland and that's what he wanted, then there are clearly ways that he could maneuver behind the scenes to make that happen. And we have not heard any of the sort. That's why, and I'll just kind of close with this, my thought is it's more of a fan story this weekend than it is a true NBA story. It's news to us. So it's exciting to talk about. But to the people involved, Cleveland has known this. And by the way, they don't have to trade him. They can easily keep him if they think that's the best basketball fit for them. And teams have done that before. Kobe Bryant demanded a trade 10 years ago. And next thing you know, the Lakers make three consecutive finals and win two of them. So if Cleveland doesn't think there's a deal that's going to make them a better basketball team, and that's a big priority for them with LeBron in the last year of his contract, then they don't have to, they don't have to do that. There's no requirement for them to move. But if they do, they have been going through the motions behind the scenes for a while, making calls, and if Carmelo Anthony was the proposal they wanted, this would have been done a long time ago because it's a no-brainer for the Knicks, and if you're the Cavaliers, if that's what LeBron wants, then you, you get it done, and the sooner you move on, the better. It's pretty clear that the Knicks want something more, uh, or not the Knicks, excuse me, the Cavaliers want something more, as they should, and... I really don't expect that to finish with Carmelo Anthony. The last part of it that I'll throw out, I've heard people say, well, what if there's a three or four team deal that gets these other teams involved? Well, the assets have to come from somewhere. And as I've said, I question 
if so if you involve a, a third or fourth team, a lot of fans love to say, well, a third or fourth team, because in theory, then anything is possible. But the deal has to make sense for that other team. So if either Cleveland or New York are needing more assets from a third team, primarily Cleveland here, because if, if uh, Kyrie is going to New York, then New York's obviously going to be happy with their side of the deal. But if Cleveland needs more assets, then where why would the third or fourth team give them for not really getting anything of value in return? If they were going to get anything of value in return from New York, then why wouldn't Cleveland just a- accept it themselves? It's easy to say, well, this this team, you know, you bring in a third, you bring in a fourth, that might happen. Well, a- another one, even if, and then even if you somehow did, I've heard people say that, well, what if in a three or four-way deal, the Cavaliers could get both Eric Bledsoe and Carmelo? Okay, well, this ties back into Carmelo's thought process, which is that if he already picked Houston over Cleveland, folks, even if, I heard someone on Twitter the other day said, well, if they get Bledsoe and Carmelo, it's a big four, insinuating LeBron, Carmelo, Kevin Love, and uh, Eric Bledsoe. Well, folks, it already would have been a big four with LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love, and Carmelo, and Carmelo preferred Houston over that. So, in essence, even if this Eric, even if it were theoretically possible for the Cavaliers in a three or fourteen trade involving the Suns to get both Eric Bledsoe and Carmelo Anthony, okay, well, you have the same team that Carmelo already picked Houston over Cleveland for, but with Eric Bledsoe, who is a worse player than Kyrie Irving. So it's the same thing we've said all along, which is that if Carmelo, who has a full no-trade clause, already preferred Houston over Cleveland, why is he going to prioritize Cleveland over Houston for a worse Cleveland team? It doesn't make sense for Cleveland, and it especially doesn't make sense for uh, Carmelo to reverse his decision. Now, I'm not naive. There are situations that can change. And the two variables here, maybe the Cavs do something irrational if that's what LeBron wants, or Carmelo caves because he's just sick and tired of the drama and wants to move on. But I don't see either of those scenarios as realistic. As I said, I don't think LeBron, besides just the direct reports that he's not going to get himself involved in these talks, I, I just don't see anything in his history that suggests that he wants a worse basketball team for the sake of playing with his friends. Again, look back to him leaving Dwayne Wade in the heat for a team in Cleveland without any of his friends. You know, LeBron has his friends, but he draws a line between friendships and basketball, and he wants to play ball. And if the Cleveland front office thinks there's a better deal, and as I explained earlier, there probably is going to be, if you put a 25-year-old Kyrie Irving truly on the market, then... Carmelo Anthony at 33 in the last year of his contract is probably not going to be the best offer for you as a basketball team. So I don't expect LeBron to step in. And then from Carmelo, yes, at some point it's possible that he could fold. Although personally, I expect the Knicks to fold before Carmelo. But um, the point that Carmelo might fold, expand his list, whatever, is not going to be mid-July. Again, this has been in the works, deep conversations between Chris Paul, James Harden, Carmelo Anthony for some time. The idea that in mid to late July, over two months from training camp, that everything they've worked for for weeks, if not months, is just going to be thrown to the wayside. No. Carmelo, when you get to be a brand of that stature, you're around big business for a while, you understand that to get what you want, it's not easy. There's a lot of leverage. There's a lot of little games at play. And while it's not impossible for Carmelo to fold, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. And so the reports we've heard this weekend, most notably from uh, Frank Azola of the New York Daily News, that Carmelo is focused exclusively on Houston at this point, I buy them 100%. Last thing I'll point out as far as the timing, I've seen some people suggest 
that, well, even if Carmelo still eventually gets dealt to Houston, that this could throw a wrench into the timing of it. I'm not even that sure I agree with that. First off, even if Kyrie was an option for the Knicks, there are other ways to make the math work besides sending Carmelo to Cleveland. But beyond that, it ties back into the fact that since July 7th, Cleveland has known this. I think it's pretty clear that the Knicks have a good idea of where they stand and whether they have a chance, or more likely, in my opinion, don't have a chance to get in the running for Kyrie Irving. So I really don't think that it's going to affect the timing in any way because I think the Knicks already know where they stand and whether the Cavaliers value Carmelo at all. So I don't think it's going to hurt the timing. However, I also don't think it's imminent because, as I've said for a while, I never bought the idea that it was a temporary pause. I think the Knicks just aren't happy with what they're getting from the Rockets in a three or four team trade. I think more than that, they understand. I think it's less about the Rockets and it's more the Knicks know that they're dealing Carmelo when his value is at an all-time low and they would like to build that value back up. But ultimately, I just don't think that that's reasonable without keeping him into the season and I just don't expect that to be a path that that the Knicks legitimately pursue. And the fact is, the only reason Carmelo's value is as low as it is is in large part because of the way the Knicks have treated him for years, the fact that they gave him the no-trade clause, all of this is their own doing. So sometimes you just need to, you know, take your own medicine. And in this case, you combine all that with the fact that he's specifically been told by obviously very prominent officials within the Knicks that he was going to Houston. And I don't think the Knicks want a very public drama in which the two sides openly rail against each other and then bring an unhappy Melo to training camp. I think ultimately that's why a deal gets done. But it's the offseason. There's no training camp for even two months. There's no media availabilities. So I think they're willing to you know, stall for a few weeks, see if anything happens uh, that might change Carmelo's situation, but uh, or, or see if the Rockets might eventually offer a little more. You know, it certainly can't hurt if you're the Knicks. So I think they're using their time, but ultimately I do think a deal gets done, and I don't think that the Kyrie Irving situation is going to delay it in any way. So with that said, I will wrap up this Kyrie Irving-themed episode of Locked on Rockets. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Well, actually, I lied. Let's explore one more angle of this. Meant to discuss not just Carmelo, but the other things. Do I think it helps LeBron in 2018 become more open to Houston? A couple of people have pointed that out to me. In my opinion, how can it not? Now, it's highly speculative. As I said last episode, it's very difficult for Houston to make the numbers work. You would have to have, essentially, Chris Paul and Carmelo both opt out, take slightly lower salaries. You'd probably also need um, Cleveland to cooperate and assign and trade, although the Rockets have Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, those guys would be pretty good assets, could get Carmelo a starting salary somewhere north of 20, even $25 million. So yeah, it's conceivable there's a route for the Rockets to uh, LeBron James, although in that scenario, you'd probably have to let Clint Capella go because you'd be hard capped because of a sign and trade, and Clint Capella getting a big raise on his next contract. I don't know if you can make the math work, but for LeBron James, you'd move heaven and earth, pretty much everything other than James Harden and Chris Paul, to make that happen. So uh, it, it is possible, and of course you'd be open to it, arguably the greatest player in the history of the NBA. And there's already been rumors for a while that he's unhappy in Cleveland. That's been reported this summer that he doesn't like the moves that have been made. He apparently was shocked and disappointed by the news of Kyrie Irving wanted out. So uh, let's be real. This is Cleveland's second best player. This is the guy who made the game-winning shot in Game 7 of the Finals just one year ago. This is the Robin to LeBron's Batman. So if he gets out, or if it's known, even if the Cavs don't trade him, but it's known that when he does become a free agent, and next summer he'll be just one year away, that he could potentially walk, 
yeah, it hurts. Because all of a sudden you're looking at right now a situation in Cleveland where the second best player is either a very disgruntled and likely to leave Kyrie Irving, whoever they trade him for, or Kevin Love. And so you compare that to James Harden, Chris Paul, possibly Carmelo Anthony as well in Houston. Yeah, it, it sure as hell does not hurt Houston's case. Now, again, I'm not going that far down the list because narratives can change. We've seen here in Houston how within one year, Houston's gone from having to pay $80 million to Ryan Anderson to being desired for by Chris Paul and Ryan, and uh, not Ryan, uh, Carmelo Anthony. So yeah, things can change and who knows, maybe the Rockets, we all say that there's this great team on paper. They do look like the second best roster in the NBA, but if they don't play that way next year, then maybe Houston's narrative goes the other way. Maybe the Lakers are surprised to the upside and we know that LeBron's got a house in L.A. There's a lot of off-court business ventures he has there. Lots of things can change in 12 months, so it's pointless to speculate that much or go that far down the road. But uh, I'll say it certainly doesn't hurt. If you're dreaming about LeBron James in 2018, the Kyrie Irving news does not hurt at all. So as I actually do close out this podcast, I'll leave you with that. I don't think the Kyrie Irving news really hurts the Rockets from the standpoint of Carmelo. I think it's pretty much a non-factor. And from the standpoint of LeBron James, it can only help. So as far as what the effect of Kyrie Irving is for the Rockets, I would say generally neutral to net positive. I don't really see a huge drawback other than if he gets to the San Antonio Spurs. Now that would be a that would hurt, but I'm not willing to speculate on that at this point because even though Kyrie listed the Spurs as a destination, unless the Spurs deal with Kawhi Leonard, and I know they're not going to do that, then I just don't see them having the assets to tempt Cleveland. And as I said leading off, there's no real reason for Cleveland to do right by Kyrie's list when he has no no-trade clause, is signed for a, couple, for a couple more years. So even though San Antonio is on the list, and certainly that could be negative for the Rockets if Kyrie went there, I don't really see that as any more viable than Kyrie to New York for a deal involving Carmelo Anthony. The trade has to make sense for both teams, and in each of those situations, it doesn't make sense for the Cavaliers from a basketball standpoint. So with that said, I will leave things right there. Again, thanks to all of you guys, as always, for listening. Again, I'm your host, Ben DuBose. You can follow me on Twitter if you aren't already, at Ben DuBose. Follow the show on Twitter, at Lockdown Rockets, or email us, LockdownRockets at gmail.com. If you've got questions, suggestions, advertising inquiries, anything we can do to make this a better program. So, uh, with all this being said, hopefully this will be the last time we have to discuss Kyrie Irving, because other than that, I don't think it will be related to the Rockets. Can't guarantee it, but if somehow it does, and there's traction involving a deal with Carmelo Anthony, uh, we will cover that when it happens, but again, I see that as a very, very doubtful scenario. So hopefully the rest of the week, we can go back to rumor watching about Carmelo and the Rockets specifically. Now, there has been a report, a guy out of the LA Daily News this morning that he had heard from someone in Houston's camp. I retweeted it onto my timeline about Carmelo and the Rockets potentially having a deal early this week, and everyone's asking, do you believe it? I don't know. He's he, The guy cited a source close to Houston, and that could easily be a player. And that gets back to basically where we've been for two-plus weeks, which is that the players involved think this is going to happen in large part because the Knicks told Carmelo what was going to happen, but the executives involved still have to come to terms. So I don't believe he's lying. I think based on the guy's track record and the fact that he's a professional journalist, uh, I think he's legitimately hearing that from someone close to Houston. But it could be on the player's side, and I think... For weeks now, it's been clear there's a split between the players and management. So while I think there's probably some truth that he was told that from someone close to Houston, does it necessarily mean that the stalemate is over and that the Knicks are back at the table? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. So I'll just say 
Uh, stay tuned on that one, but it is worth monitoring. As I said, I generally keep an open mind as far as rumors. There are lots of places that you can hear hear things, especially these days in the NBA. So many rumors break from the player's side. Yeah, you're not going to have just conventional sources like Woj. There are little guys, you know, the barbershop type people. That's been a joke in the past on Clutch Fans. But those types of things, yeah, they can absolutely happen. So I always keep an open mind while, you know, the odds are any random report on Twitter is probably not going to be true. You know, it, at the same time, it can be too. So I keep an open mind. But the only ones I don't are certain reporters. And again, I don't want to you know, throw all these guys under the bus over and over again. But there are certain people, all you have to do is look at their track record. If they have a track record of exaggerating things for clickbait or their own purposes, and especially if they're not even a, you know, professional journalist. In the case of a guy I mentioned earlier, he allegedly works for Yahoo Sports, yet there's not a single reference of that on the Yahoo website. Why do you think that is? Because essentially he's just a freelancer just blogging a few things. It would be the equivalent of, you know, I've freelanced myself for ESPN.com in the past, and it would be if I tried to, well, and I shouldn't say that the the guy has tried to pass himself off as that seriously, but I've seen some people, some of the aggregators saying, well, according to Yahoo Sports, well, no, that would be the equivalent of someone saying me because I've freelanced for ESPN some in the past. I'm on the same level of Adrian Wojnarowski, who is a full-time reporter for that outlet. There's a huge uh, gap there. So even if someone might seem on Twitter to have a little bit of a background, just look into their history. That's all you got to do. And generally, I keep an open mind. But if it's someone that's just trying to stir the pot and has a history of doing so, well, odds are probably uh, true that they're going to do it again. So that's my last thought for this. Media literacy, folks. I don't think you have to assume everyone's lying. You don't have to assume that everyone's telling the truth either. Just look into their background, and usually if you do that, you can find a trend of if it's someone that's just exaggerating stuff for clickbait slash attention, whatever, or if it's a situation where um, the, the person is, seems to be more genuine, more earnest, more honest, etc. So anyway, I'll get off my pulpit with that. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your uh, Sunday. I guess that was an appropriate closing sermon of sorts with this being uh, midday Sunday. But uh, yeah, hope everybody enjoys the rest of the day. And I uh, will talk to you again throughout the week as hopefully negotiations between the Knicks and the Rockets for Carmelo uh, start getting going again. Have not heard at the time that they have, but uh, hopefully we'll have more news in the coming days. For now, enjoy your day.